Welcome to the Boss Lady Podcast. Whether you're an entrepreneur climbing the corporate ladder or a work-from-home parent, you are a boss. If you desire to make your life extraordinary, to reach and exceed your personal and professional goals, and learn from other strong leaders, then the Boss Lady Podcast is for you. As an entrepreneur, mother, wife, and former CEO, I share lessons and stories of both personal and professional successes and failures. Join me along with a diverse list of guests as we break down strategies, tools, and techniques that will enhance your career and your life. Together, we will embrace, empower, and educate each other. I am Teresa Rand, and this is the Boss Lady Podcast. Hello, listeners. I am so glad that you are here today, that you chose to use what I know is one of your most valuable assets, and that's your time to listen to the Boss Lady Podcast today. You are not going to be disappointed. I hope you're never disappointed if you're a continuing leader, but you certainly won't be disappointed in the conversation we're going to have today. I am Teresa Ran, as you heard in my introduction, and I run Teresa Ran Consulting, the Boss Lady Community, the Boss Lady Podcast. I do one commercial in every episode, and that's to tell you that you can find out anything you want to know about me pretty much at Teresa Ran Consulting. It's Teresa with no H, Teresa Ran Consulting. There's tabs for the work I do with corporations, companies, individuals, and then, of course, our Boss Lady community, which is expanding, and we're so excited about that, especially today, or this month, I should say, although I am recording this on National Women's uh, International Women's Day. It won't be put out until after, but just so you know, that's an important day. This episode will come out, though, when it is still National Women's Day. History Month, which is an amazing month. I get excited about every single year, and this year is no different because there's so many powerful women out in the world, and we are making changes. So if you're listening and you're a female, thank you. If you're listening and you're a man, I hope you're supporting the females in your work and professional life as well. So with that, I want to jump right in and introduce our guest today. Her name is Tiffany Rafino. She is a business, known as the business therapist. She's an industrial and organizational psychologist and talks to us about all things business related. We're going to narrow it down today. We, we both are concerned that we can get all this in in 30 minutes. We may have to have her back. But she also has her own podcast called Great to Greater. So Tiffany, welcome Finally got you here. I'm so glad. Yay. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited and I'm excited to do this cross uh, podcast. So it'll also be on my channel too for our listeners to check you out and we could, uh, you know, broaden the audience and uh, change the world with leadership and business for sure. Absolutely. And collaboration. That's what it's all about, right? Yes. Absolutely. We get to work together. Yep. We get to work together. So, in, you know, we went over before we hit record several topics we could talk about, but one that I brought up that's fresh in my mind because it's one that is an opportunity for a lot of the companies I'm working with now to figure out how to make this thing we called hybrid work, mm-hmm. how to make hybrid work work. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, there's, oh my gosh, there's so many sides of the coin. 
Am I forced to come five days a week? Can I come two days a week? And oh, can I choose those two days? And oh, can they change every other day? And you know, we're not been used to dressing up for three years. So can I wear jeans to work and not have to work dress professionally anymore? And on and on and on. And I feel really badly for people in the organization, in the C-suite or the HR or wherever, that are trying to make decisions on what's the right thing to do in a new world that we, in this new world that we live in. Yes. So I thought that'd be a good topic for us. What What are you seeing so in I, the work? Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I think it's very topsy-turvy, right? In, in 25 years plus of leadership, I can understand the mindset of the leaders, but as an employee as well. And so I think sometimes employees feel they have the upper hand because of the workforce and what um, businesses are lacking as far as being able to hire employees or the employee pool that they have to choose from. People are either overqualified because they took the COVID time to get more education or they are just not fit for the role that's coming out in the tech world, right? And then you have the management, and I I specifically say management because I think this is the mindset that stops it from being a collaboration, but the management mindset is if I don't have an employee in front of me, how do I prove that I'm managing somebody or that I deserve to have Mm -hmm. a role? So there's that fear and mindset of, okay, I need to show that I can tell people what to do because they're in front of me and my manager can see me doing that. And then the employees are like, well, I can quiet quit on you. And it's all because you didn't let me wear jeans or work from home three days a week. And, you know, I think the fear of doing something new is there for, from the manager's side. Like we've always done it this way. It's always worked this way. So we should always keep it this way. Everything else was a fluke. And the employees were more of the mindset of, well, I was still able to do this and do it even better in my own environment, in my sweatpants, on my couch, from my computer. Uh, And I was more accomplished because I was able to balance my time. I was well rested. So what's the problem now? And um, so it's, it's lack of communication and understanding from both sides. And I think that there's a justification that's trying to happen from both sides that, uh, is, is being challenged because nobody wants to hear the other person because I have the title. So what I say goes and the employees like, mm-hmm. yeah, but I have the talent. So what I say goes. And so that's right. kind of what I'm seeing in the workforce right now is the fear of change ultimately for both sides. Yeah. And I, I said to a group, <clears throat> excuse me, this morning that this is new for everybody no matter where you are on the rung of power in your organization. So the people that are given the ability or the power to make the changes or to adapt to the changes are figuring this out too. So we've got to have some grace in how we accept mandates or we give our opinion because nobody's done this before. Would it be a fair statement or would you agree with the statement that the workplace has changed forever since COVID? Uh, Yeah, I would say since COVID, but I would also say before COVID. And so a lot of um, sometimes we look at what's in front of us, right? You know, we've been taught, don't look in the past, you know, look at what's Mm -hmm. going on in front of you and what's happening now. 
But if you look over time, the workplace has always evolved. But I think that um, how things have transitioned and how generations have come in and taken over, they forget about the history that got us there. So when you think about, you know, like the 40s, you have the men that are typically going to work in the suits and the briefcases. And then it changes and women start entering the workforce. So things have always changed and evolved. Now, this is just another change where it's more of a locational thing as opposed to a people thing. And, you know, I think people need to realize that not all change is bad and the fear is of the unknown and the mindset of, well, what's the worst that can happen? And I think part of it is the bottom line, right? We spent all this money investing in this brick and mortar and now we don't have half the people in here most of the time. So how do we justify spending money on the rent or the cost of the building, the electricity, like all the tools that we have for everybody? And then do we sell all that and provide our employees with tools? And then how do we know that confidential information will stay confidential and not leave their homes? And so there's a, a, again, I go back to, there's a control piece there. And depending on the industry that you're in, there may not be an opportunity to work from home. You can't sell uh, clothing from a clothing store while you're sitting in your living room, unless you have like an online store to work from, but not everybody is qualified to really understand the back end of like sales from home. Yeah. There's so many customer facing jobs that you can't work from home. So I think your, your point is, you know, first of all, you have to know if your job is even open to being remote. Right. And second of all, there's, there's still times you're going to have to be, or should be, in my opinion, face to face with people. It's different than being, you know, in a, in a, in a box, in a camera, there's a different dynamic. Uh, I just finished reading a book talking about the digital body language and how it changes. And, you know, you can see some body language online and we should be aware of our body language online because people can see us when our head is down and we're looking at the phone or we're the person with the camera off all the time, which is one of my pet peeves. If I have a meeting with you before Zoom was acceptable, we looked at each other and now it seems to be acceptable. We can have a meeting and you don't have to show your face. Well, that's what I used to call a phone call. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> you know? So it, it's, we do have to be more open to understanding where each party is coming from. Yeah. And, and I think ultimately there's going to be a, a, what's the word I'm looking for? A compromise, right? Right. There has to be. And I think there's been, um, a, a huge shift because it went from the great resignation because all these jobs were open during COVID where everybody had to work from home. So the tech industry blew up and um, a lot of companies blew up, especially on LinkedIn. There was something posted, you know, at least 20 postings of jobs were all over the U S and even the world. And then now you see the tech companies laying people off left and right, you know, Zoom right. let go of 1300 people and he cut his salary. Um, Apple has not cut employees, but Tim Cook cut his salary in order to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, it, Zappos, I mean, a lot of uh, tech companies, STN, digital laid people. I mean, it's been uh, global. So all these people that did a push for hiring and everybody was like, Oh, I'll just leave my company and I'll work from home. I'll be fine. And now it's like, Oh, that lasted like a year or two. And now I got to go back either to the company that I knew 
or I got to figure out what to do and, you know, uh, maybe do my passion project, which was knitting for goldfish yeah. or something, you know, to make uh, yeah. money. <laughs> right? like, There's a lot of that going on. That's right. Yeah. So, which is kind of cool because I think of that as like a new Renaissance period for the workforce because people are coming back and being creative again and finding that like work, uh, in the office or in a building is not always where it's at. And while I, I love business and I love people, I also love people doing what they can do as much as they love doing it for themselves and creating a business out of it. So, um, I think there's a huge compromise and a huge possibility for like a new art form to be created for the world and kind of like having that new period out of creativity. And that's exciting. It is exciting. One of the benefits I think that has come out of this is understanding and recognizing that people not only want flexibility, they need flexibility. And it's better for their productivity in the long run. It's better for their mental health. Yes. And it's better for their families. Yes. You're always going to have the employees that, you know, might take advantage of that, so on and so forth. But as I used to tell my employees, we make the rules for the majority, not for those few that are going to break them. We'll, right. we'll, we'll deal with them separately. Right. But the guidelines and the rules are for the majority of us to that are going to do what's right. Right. You know, there's always going to be those others. But well, I mean, I um, think if I could just share this one point, like yeah, exactly absolutely. to what you said uh, about, you know, the balance and being at home, I think there's also uh, the fear out there. You know, I was a college professor and the college was right on school grounds next to a high school. And every other day there's a drill, there's a drill of safety and, you know, you get the notifications and it's all, everybody hunker down, lock your doors, don't open And it's terrifying. And so I don't blame parents for, you know, wanting that work-life balance. And if they're able to being able to teach your kids from home and that's a sacrifice within itself, you know, in the socialization of your kids and having them be in an environment that where they can learn there versus at home. But there might have to be a change there depending on where people live and, you know, to have to school your kids at home yourself and follow up with that. And then also work from home is a challenge, but, you know, you can't choose that anymore sometimes. And so that's where work has to like do the risk assessment and say, okay, if we lose this person just because they can't wear jeans on Thursday and Friday because they don't have time to do their laundry, is it really worth it to like put up a fight over this if they're not customer facing? Like what's the big deal at this point? Or, um, you know, if they stay and work from home when they're doing, you know, 20% more work from home than they were doing at the office. Right, right. It just is, it's difficult to make a one size fits all where this is concerned. And I think we have to get out of the mindset that we have to have one set rule. You know, your job may lend itself to two days in the office, whereas somebody else's job may lend themselves to being remote all the time. Right. And we've got to get over this, that everybody has to be treated the same within the company. Number one, even when there were rules everybody's never been treated all the same, um, which is a whole other podcast. But number two, I want to work for a company that recognizes that my needs may be different. I'm not asking them to, you know, do anything outside of what's the, what's best for the organization, because that's ultimately why you're in business. But at the same time, recognize if I have small children or 
I'm single and I don't have children. That doesn't mean give the single people all the work so that everybody else can go home with children. That's another issue that's been around for a long time. But it is recognizing, you know, maybe you've got people that are taking care of their parents, you know, this whole sandwich generation. And um, most of the time, that's the women in the company that are doing all these double and triple roles. And COVID has magnified that. Women went backwards during COVID because they were the ones to all of a sudden quit their job or, you know, they had the lesser paying jobs and they had somebody had to take care of little Susie and Johnny, you know? So we've got to recognize that flexibility in the company is not a bad thing. Right. And I think there's two things that I would um, say in response to that, you know, with, I think you're right on point, especially while we talk, you know, during International Women's Day, but with women making the sacrifice first, because generally the uh, partner is making more money as we discussed, you know, as far as the pay goes, um, it's, I think, behind closed doors and some corporations there again goes that risk assessment of, okay, so we have John over here and John um, has a wife that can stay at home and watch the kids. And we have Sally, whose husband we know just from conversation makes more money. So she can probably be at home and they'll be fine. So we'll let Sally go during the layoffs and we'll keep yeah. on. I mean, it, it does happen. That's the reality. So I wonder if the solution or a solution might be that employees are now hired as contractors versus, you know, employees mm-hmm. of the company, you save on the health benefits, the employees get to work when they want and you get still the productivity that you want from them. Um, but that might be the only balance right now. Um, still not answering the question of how do you fill your office? But then the question becomes, do you really need the office? You know, can yeah. you not downsize? Like, would that not save you money on your bottom line, you know, at the end of the day? Um, and, and that might be what it comes down to. The challenge there is, you know, people don't know how to do their own taxes and they don't know how to file as a 1099. And it's a whole new world, right. you know, when you're running your own business, but at the same time, you're teaching people to be leaders and entrepreneurs and run their own business. And eventually that's just another skill that helps you grow. So people will still have fear of that. Um, you might lose some leadership in there because you can't really have leaders over 1099s, but, um, you know, so there's a challenge in that sense, but, you know, like you said, what is the compromise? Like what would be the balance to that? And it, I think it's just small uh, solutions, you know, with band-aids until you actually go in and do the surgery and say, all right, we're just going to go and replace this hip bone and make it work. Right. You know? <laughs> like we just have to let it go. You know, listening to a podcast a couple of weeks ago called the daily, which I believe is put out by the New York times. But anyway, And they were talking to people specifically, they had focused on San Francisco and, you know, a lot of tech, all of those things Mm -hmm. and how they're number one, laying off people. But the conversation was about they're wanting people to come back into the office, regardless of whether their job can be done remote, because the city, the downtown working district, all the ancillary businesses are suffering, Mm -hmm. you know. With all the little delis, all the copying shops, I mean, everything, when you think of a big city that has a downtown working district, and then all of a sudden, nobody's coming to work. We were in downtown Orlando a couple of weeks ago for a conference, and it was my husband's conference. So I went out for a walk like 730 that morning, 
and I, I remember when I came back in and that afternoon when he and I were chatting, I said, it was eerily quiet down here this morning. Yeah. 7.30 in a downtown big metropolitan city should be bustling. Right. And it was, there wasn't a line at the coffee shop. There wasn't horns blaring from traffic. It just hit me like, oh, wow, it's a Wednesday morning at 7.30 and there's nobody down here. Yeah. You're like, I could drive on I-4 and... I could drive. <laughs> exactly. I got here in an hour. Imagine that. Well, also, I think the cities are scared, too, because that's taxes. You know, if that tech company decides, hey, everybody could work from home, let's make everybody's life easy. The city's like, no, 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 don't, don't go. We'll, we'll help you out with benefits or this or that. Like, don't leave. And, you know, that goes right into what you said, the mom and pop shops or even like the minor um, uh corporate brands that are trying to start out yeah. um, or break yeah. out from there. And, but even tourism is down because Orlando, if you don't have the people working there, you would at least ha- at least have tourists that are like traveling right. around, but there's no malls really to go to. There's no stores to go to. I was looking yeah. for yeah. New York and company, which used to be in every single mall everywhere. Oh, and yeah. I think yeah. they're in Miami and that's it. And I'm like, yeah. what's happening? And it's scary because yeah. I grew up with malls and I'm like, I can't go shopping all at once, uh, you know, on my own. Yeah. I can touch yeah. and feel. And- there are 10 different places. Yeah. yeah. And then their inventory, you know, right. the, the inventory is not the same. You know, right. I go to Jacksonville. I'm in Daytona Beach, if you're a new listener, uh, and Tiffany is as well. But I go to Jacksonville and go to Nordstrom, and I'm like, this is all you have in the store? Yeah. And then you go online and you can find it. But then I got to order it and it doesn't fit. And anyway, <laughs> nothing to do with hybrid. But so the question that, has been talked about with some of my clients is the whole communication changes based on your work environment. Oh, absolutely. If I never come in the office, how, how am I communicated to, or how am I introduced to other departments? How are, I mean, it's just not the same. So a hybrid workforce or an all remote workforce has to impact communication, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, from a leadership standpoint, as a leader, you have to be the one that drives that and you have to be the one that sets the standard to make communication a a safe place and that it's not micromanaging um, and that it's not always about work. And it, it could include just the same kind of water cooler chats that you may have to keep the relationships going. So I think communicating through text all the time, uh, everything can be misconstrued. Right. Just by a simple word, a simple emoji or too many emojis or too many exclamation points. Right. Um, People assume that this person is too soft or not confident enough based on what they're using. So I think going back to companies like Zoom or whatever you use for video conferencing, you know, whether it's like uh, through Google or video chats, et cetera. Um, that you have to have people on screen and, you know, call them out and say, hey, everybody, like, you know, make sure that you're on and um, we want to see your face. We want to get to know you. you get to at least feel like the emotion off of somebody because I can talk without smiling and you can hear the difference in my voice. Right. When I start to smile and talk, then you hear a difference, right? And so um, seeing that and seeing the reality of what someone's going through and kind of looking at their face and telling if they're having a rough day and they're just trying to hide it and just stopping the agenda and being able to say, Hey, what's going on? Um, you can still build that relationship 
through uh, that way. Is it ideal? No. But is it the best way to approach business from this new standpoint? Absolutely. And I think the leader has to, again, lead that way and let everybody know, hey, just because we're not face to face doesn't mean that we can't have the conversations that we had when we were. Um, It doesn't mean we can't have touch bases, one-on-ones. It doesn't have to be always about work. Maybe the first half of the one-on-one is, how's everything going? Like, you know, what's going on in your life? What are you, what are you trying to do that's new? How are you getting out of the house? And, you know, just touching base on those little mental health things that could elevate somebody um, or just, you know, celebrate what they've got going on. Maybe it was their nephew's birthday or their dog's birthday or something exciting. Um, And then the last half, okay, let's talk about business. What's going well? What's your opportunities? What can I do to support you? Um, And then work on that development in that piece so that there's always a, I'm in touch with you and I'm not a stranger every time we talk. So there's no fear in being open with me. Um, And I also think it cuts down on gossip, right? So like communication in when everybody's all together, then there's the opportunity for like the um, Michael Cole Cole calls it the red tornado, like in the back room, you know, you have that one person that starts spinning that tornado of negativity in the lunchroom and then it goes out into the floor and then customers come in and feel the tension or the rest of the office Mm -hmm. does. So uh, there's, there's benefits of course. And of course there's opportunities, but we don't know what those are until we work through it. Right. Until we try. And if there's a fear to try, then you're never going to know. And you have to trust your team to do the right thing. If that's within your culture and your values. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we've got to be willing, if we're the leader, to put some new guidelines out there and then monitor and recognize that we may need to tweak them. Right. You know, I'm, I'm working with a company now that put some mandates out around hybrid workforce and then realized that wasn't the best mandate. So they brought that one back and now they have a new one. And the employees were, were actually impressed by that. You know, because they already knew the first one wasn't working. <laughs> right. You know, transparency so they, and like, oops, sorry. Yeah, we'll right. start over. <laughs> so for the leader or leaders to say, yeah, this isn't working, so we're going to change our mind. So often as leaders, we think we make a decision. We look weak if we change our mind. And that's not the case. Right. We look real. We look authentic. We look like we have our finger on the pulse of the organization. Yeah. Just because I'm. I'm given the power, the opportunity to lead doesn't mean I'm always going to be right by any stretch of the imagination. So to, to feel good about going in and and changing, because again, this is, this is new, this is different. So we're going to have trials and tribulations, if you will, as we go through, you briefly mentioned earlier on in the conversation, the quiet quitting. And I think you've done a podcast just on that subject. Have you not? Yeah. Are your podcasts numbered? Uh, they are actually. Uh, I'd have to go through and search because I think we're like in the seventy. You can find that numbered one. I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. Because I'm uh, and so that they can go back and and listen to that one because I think the whole quiet quitting. We we just have a few minutes and we're not going to be able to deep dive. But you mentioned that, and I think it goes into it fits nicely into this conversation of hybrid workforce. You know, because um, just because you're a mandate and people pass it doesn't or follow it doesn't mean they're happily following it. Correct. And I would tell you that any 
title that I have on my podcast that starts with the word uh, quiet are probably the most popular ones. So we have quiet quitting, quiet firing, and quiet firing. And they get yeah. the most listens. Yeah, which is I found very interesting. Um, so let's see. Quiet quitting is episode 50. Um, it was, I think it was one of our, I think it was the kickoff of our third season. Um, so quiet quitting is basically, uh, the idea that you're still working there, but mentally you've kind of quit and you are just hanging on by a thread doing, uh, what you can do until you find another job or until the job that you already have allows you to start. So you may leave without giving notice to your leader, um, but just like I feel that if somebody's being let go, it should be no surprise. And if somebody's about to quit, that should be no surprise either. Right. If you're a really great leader, that's that's uh, that's part of communication and setting somebody up for success. There should be performance improvement plans on both sides, right? From the employee giving feedback to the leader and the leader taking it and trying to apply it. Um, some things can't be controlled. There's just better opportunities and you celebrate that they're able to go and do that, you know, just like you would want for you. You never know. They may hate it. Right. Come back. Um, and then with the quiet firing, like it should never really be quiet, um, you know, between you and your employee because it, your actions deem the outcome of what's going to happen. It's not about you as a person. Right. It's about what you do. Um, but yeah, quiet quitting is really just, uh, yeah, I think I saw an SNL skit where they were like, I quit. And they just whispered it. And that was like the yeah. whole thing. About quiet quitting. <laughs> yeah. but, um, Don't tell me not showing quit. up tomorrow. I quit. Yeah. Um, but yeah. really it's just doing the minimum and then, um, almost like a surprise, like, yeah, I'm done. I'm good to go. And some of that just comes from people being expected to do more than what their job responsibilities say and going above and beyond. And that what's listed as your job responsibilities, is just considered a minimum, not considered like right. all you're meant to do. So there's a battle on that too. Absolutely. And, and I'm not sure, although maybe the term is new, but the concept has been around forever. A long time ago when I was, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was like, what? Um, but you're right. If you're having, you know, every topic we talk about, Tiffany goes back to communication mm-hmm. and that's what I'm hired for. 90% of my gigs are there's obstacles to communication. There's obstacles. And I've been in the workforce for 35 years. And that one opportunity for improvement has never changed is communication, communication, communication. But you talked about a lot of this can be solved around the proper usage and implementation of evaluations. So often we see it, that's something we got to do in December, January, so that we can figure out who's getting a raise, who's not. It's a checkbox. Here you go. Tell me what you did. Yes, you did a good job or you didn't. And we're done and we don't talk about it again for a year. Right. Right. I had my organization do them quarterly. We had quarterly updates so that there were no surprises right. if you were not doing a good job. In January, you didn't wait till the following January to know that. And the reverse of that, I wanted to celebrate you throughout the year, not just at the end of the year with a raise. So I think that's incredibly valuable. And even more so now as we're making constant change, we need to be checking in. Yeah. And I also think we might need to change how we hire and the questions that we use now moving Mm -hmm. forward so that we know what to expect. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. 
whole nother podcast, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, <laughs> lots of subjects in, in a very short time, but I knew it would be fascinating conversation. Again, Tiffany Ruffino, and she has a podcast called Great to Greater. She is known as the business therapist. So you can find her at TiffanyRuffino.com, R-U-F-I-N-O.com. You can find me on Facebook under the same name. Uh, You'll find two pages for me. Add me on and uh, we'll go from there. Take you from great to greater. And she's also one of our boss ladies uh, for my group that I run. So we're thrilled to have you and have your expertise and your friendly face. So if you are listening today for more than one time, if you are a continued listener, repeat listener, I just want to say thank you one more time. I know you are, your time is valuable, as I said at the beginning, so I don't want to let, I don't want you to think I take that for granted. So thank you for continuing to listen. If you are a new listener, I hope you found some value in today. I am biased, but I have the greatest guests that give us real life things that we're all dealing with. And we just, it's not so much of a formal interview, although Tiffany and I are in, in our mind, we're going to inter- interview Hillary Clinton together one day. We talked, about, <laughs> we talked about that, but we'll be formal and prepared. But this podcast is meant to be conversational and organic, like I'm just talking to a good friend. And that was very easy to do with you. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Teresa. And as always, I ask that you rate, review, subscribe, all those things, right, Tiffany, that all us podcasters ask you to do so we can be found easier uh, when you're searching for your favorite podcast to listen to. But I'll end today's episode just like I do all of my episodes with my grandfather saying to us, and that was to stop and take time to smell the roses. So until we meet again, take care.